On the evening of October 24th, 2017, right at the beginning of President Trump's tenure in office, I was caught smuggling illegal aliens in Amato, Arizona. And now, four years later, I'm in a legal and moral position where I can talk about my brief but profound experience as a human trafficker in a small way. Just big enough to realize how much of a monstrosity our border is, how harmful it is to the typical American person. I say that that is a heroin addict who's been shooting black tar chiba from the highlands in south central Mexico since I was 15 years old. And every single one of my good friends growing up has died of anoxia with a needle in their arm. I was homeless in Tucson, Arizona when all this went down, truly grateful for the gas station burritos they gave me in the sector office. So I felt in uh, some kind of karmic way my path had intersected with these migrants or immigrants, like ships in the passing night, <coughs> or ships passing in the night. I split this episode because I have two j- day jobs here in the free world, and, uh, and that's important that I stay busy, uh, lest I end up dead as well with that needle in my arm. Uh, so without further delay, here's episode three of American Archipelago. I'm toying around with the... Uh, uh, background noise, you'll hear an ambient prison noise, like you'll hear a bunch of like uh, gates closing and stuff, uh, that's actually what it sounds like at night, <laughs> uh, and uh, check out our website soon, it'll be up and have some really cool interactive stuff, there's a lot of cool graphic stuff I'm doing, but like I said, I got a job and that it pays the bills, so thank you all very much. That because I did not want to give the prison officials the satisfaction to show any weakness to undertake it. That's classified according to an unclassified Well, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Kind of like the Truman Show. Um, my name is Jay Krepka, and this is the American Archipelago. And uh, on this channel, we talk about. Uh, prison and criminal justice and uh, everything having to do with just the enforcement of laws in particularly America. And that's why we're calling the American Archipelago. Uh, stay American, be proud of American. All right. And, and today we got the immigration system. So, and it certainly doesn't look good on my uh, background and when pull up my resume, uh, but I have to concede that it is true. <clears throat> I had the privilege of smuggling people illegal aliens in federal law enforcement parlance, which is exactly what it says when I get a background check. When I was uh, bagged in Amato, Arizona, I was driving a work truck that was given to me from the traffickers I was working with, like a beat up 94 Chevy with a big metal rack built under the bed. And when I was approached about the job, I was so goddamn desperate at the time that I would have driven a box full of fertilizer, a box truck full of fertilizer through the border for a warm meal and uh, eight ball of heroin. Probably just uh, a little, uh, a little dubski, doing <laughs> fine. Uh, I was on a profoundly humiliating losing streak that saw me almost die from an o- overdose, not just once, but five times. Three of those ODs, I got uh, felonies for everything from the needles to the bag of dope, i.e. De- Arizona has no good Samaritan law. So um, if a cop gets called to revive someone, they can search the premises and uh, arrest you, you know? Uh, in states like Colorado, the cops can't look in your area if you call somebody. They, w- they want you to call uh, medical assistant for somebody and not have that as a disincentive. Um, so yeah, that's the second time that happened to me because of my suicidal 
Border Patrol agents at the I-19 checkpoint near Amato found three illegal immigrants in the trunk of a vehicle. Okay, so we should start with the border's defenses because uh, that seems to be a big hot button, like how much do we, or what do we deploy on the border? And it is quite a lot. Um, it's manpower it's like. So this whole thing was kind of rushed and chaotic, putting me in this loosely disguised smuggling truck. This thing had tools for five or four or five different trades. Not going to hold up with thorough investigation. Like if the Border Patrol looked into it, like, what the fuck? You got, uh, you know, a paint uh, roller right there and you got fucking plumbing equipment. What's going on? Um, yeah, sending me off to Nogales, Arizona to pull out on exit eight or nine on the International Breach. I remember the shopping center where there's a small grocery store and a restaurant. And on the way down there, I saw all kinds of formal defenses that were going to impede my way back up north. On my left, driving south, there was a floating hot air balloon that was being used as an ob uh, observatory. And on the right side of the road, there's a watchtower that looked exactly the same as the watchtowers in, in prison yards. And at the bottleneck, moving up to the checkpoint north into the United States, there were concrete barriers flanking the roadway on the approach coming down on I-19. Once you got close to, uh, and once you got close to the CBP officers, there's no leaving the lineup. And honestly, that would uh, never be an option to just tell the person underneath my bench seat in this borrowed truck to beat it, kick rocks and flip flops. Um, which was, you know, people like, there's some real gallows humor about this stuff. Like, what? Yeah, because uh, this person is basically at your mercy, you know. Um, they're hiding, waiting for you to give them the go ahead, hop up. Um, Anyway, now it's not now it's not now it's not detecting the immigrants coming across the border that's the problem. There are seismic sensors and listening devices, listening devices that are posted everywhere along the pathways that people use, and the CBP owns the night. They're deployed deployed night vision, unarmed drones, surveillance flights. Um, they can see it all go down on the upside of the dirt. And just the way the train works out there, they know all the footpaths and borough tra trails where people been moving through our poorest borders since the founding of our country. This is how my family made money when we came to this country. Uh, we, were, uh, we were Irishmen who went down to Bisbee, Arizona to bring water down the backs of donkeys to silver and copper mines burrowing into the sandstone, flagstone, whatever those red rocks are. <laughs> Uh, in Sonora, it's, uh, it's actually a beautiful, rugged area, but that's what I'm saying. There's parts of the desert that people can't pass through without logistical support um, with trucks. Uh, so the Border Patrol really has these like bottlenecks it's looking at. Um, and really, yeah, so we're getting into it, but they just overwhelm the zone and you can't get everyone. That's their whole policy. So, um, yeah, the border has always been porous, but some parts of the line don't see any traffic because it's impossible to blend in on our side of the line. The entire state of New Mexico hardly sees any traffic. The area was called by the Spaniards Jornado del Mortado because it has no water. Journey of the dead. Um, it's just barren scrubland, the bottom of an ancient river where nothing exists or will exist. It's you like, um, the Salt River, the Salado River and everything in Arizona, like the Colorado River used to be like a big inland ocean and those were like kind of like, it was an archipelago in that area. 
when you see these little mountain peaks and everything, or not little, but, um, yeah, so, the, and, uh, uh, DHS, DEA, even the Air Force, Army, Navy, Marine Corps, and, and Coast Guard stations all along the way uh, are there for a reason, but they're not set up to be refugee camps or prisons under this onslaught of migrants coming in droves. All they can do is skim who and what they can, praying for the volume to abate so they can catch their breath. The checkpoints. Now there's some bizarre and funny urban legends about these checkpoints, and I met three separate guys who ran the checkpoint all together when the CB asked them to pull off the secondary. Pull off the secondary and just, fuck you. Um, yeah, that's definitely an option. <laughs> it's gonna, there's gonna be some swelling in the morning uh, after that option. <laughs> Uh, and, and why wouldn't you, to be honest, especially if you had something crazy, like a couple of keys of fentanyl analog, or about a hundred kilos of blow. You have no idea what risk and reward is so you've driven some contraband through the border. Even a small amount, if only to try it. Because this whole endeavor was literally a crapshoot for anyone who attempts it. Smuggling drugs or people through the checkpoint is the equivalent of Russian roulette. And the consequences of messing up and blowing a run are only slightly less horrific. Uh, like especially like like fentanyl or something um oh absolutely yeah you almost wish you were playing russian roulette uh at least that you know to stick around for you know 40 years after the fact um well depending on what you have or what you have when you're busted you might as well try to execute a suicide by a cop or pull a selma, a selma and louise off the cliff square into the side of a gas station on the side of i-19 because you'll wish you just went ahead and corkscrewed the truck if you got a couple pounds of fentanyl or a tractor trailer full of people in the middle of August, which is like endangerment. I, I just was smuggling one person. Uh, the, and uh, they're clearly paying the smuggling outfit enough to make that worthwhile. Um, to um, So you basically get the, it's kind of like um, the Titanic. You get the accommodations you want. Because you could actually pay to go through the tunnel if you got like a hundred grand. Um, you could pay to go through one of their drug tunnels. Um, but the, typically people don't do that. I mean, let's be real. Especially with Biden. He's the biggest people smuggler in the world. Man's fucking, god damn, he smuggled more people than, um, god, all the coyotes in Mexico combined, really. Um, um, people run the secondary all the time, taking the CBP and DHS in a high-speed chase. They really do. It happens quite often. I would say every, uh, or maybe once or twice a week, somebody just decides, <laughs> fuck you. I mean, these people, dude, the Border Patrol's job um, is something special. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why there is an international breach. The road could be cut off on the north side of its length where it joins with Interstate 10 south of Tucson, hermetically sealed, spike-stripped, quarantined in the Sonoran Desert. So your chances of making it are negligible past the vir virtual barricade of an Air Force base along with a CBP sector office for Tucson on the south side of Tucson. Not only is there the highway exit as you have to break off I-19 to I-10, but there's also an Air Force base there and uh, a CBP, yeah, big old fucking sector office, gigantic, you know, probably 
you know, 1,200 people go to work there a day. I, I don't know. Uh, but around, there's a lot of people. Listening to American Archipelago, and this is uh, uh, episode three about privatized prisons. Um, and I'm gonna break it up into two episodes. It's just too much to fit in. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot to this story because this happened in 2017. I was smuggling people and um, learned a whole hell of a lot about the system. And I see a lot of just you know misconception, misunderstanding. So I think this is really important. And um, yeah, so uh, thank you for listening, and back to the pod. That because I did not want to give the prison officials the satisfaction to see me show any weakness. To undertake it. And why not classify according to an unclassified Border Patrol agents at the I-19 checkpoint near Amato found three illegal immigrants in the trunk of a vehicle. Okay, it's a smuggling operation. When this enigmatic smuggler asked me to go to Nogales to pick up the first illegal alien, that's not my turn, but it's the correct legal parlance. Um, he asked me a bunch of precursory questions and got a picture of my driver's license for collateral. <clears throat> I didn't think that was much of a uh, fair trade, but getting all defensive about my identity uh, could only lead to trouble at this point. Uh, so, uh, but whatever I gave him to verify my identity must have worked because he came back over to where we stood and said, you go now. <laughs> you go now? Uh, the one thing I, I, uh, I guess I didn't put in here just because he probably would uh, muck it up. They had police who looked at, they have crooked cops who look up your ID to see if you're working with the man. Um, that's how they do that. Um, so yeah, they should have fucking cop they were calling. I found that out. Just, um, yeah, but anyway. Um, and I couldn't tell if, there, if that was a request or demand at first. But I'd already been expecting to go that day while I was await, or waiting at Maria's house. That's a pseudonym, if you're wondering. But in real life, there was a Chicano woman about my age who was dating a woman. Uh, and loved methamphetamine. Shooting meth is a hell of an aphrodisiac. One minute she's on, on my bed, I've got my hand around her throat, squinting to find the jugular, and bam, <clears throat> instantaneous orgasm for some women, which is exactly what happened with Maria. Um, yeah, it, if you've ever seen a woman shoot methamphetamine, it's, they, uh, it's a little, little wet, um, but yeah, we hang out, so I, I shot her up in the neck, and. Didn't feel completely weird around this random dude while it happened. Yeah, I, I just bonding from that moment. Um, and she saw how broke I was and all fucked up on drugs. And was like, yo, you can smuggle some people. <laughs> uh, I actually was wondering where, you know, you get a lot of drugs. And, um, you know, as I wanted to uh, start running shitloads of meth and heroin um, up to Denver or wherever they'd have me take it, um, because you'd be like a connected guy, you'd just be the guy who drives, um, you know, like the mule. Uh, that's the job I wanted, but they're like, no, we gotta, you know, uh, 
you gotta earn your bones kind of with this, you know, like we need to see that you're actually legit. And, um, you know, I'm sure if I were to like link up with these people, maybe not now, now I'm talking about it, but, um, you know, there's no fucking way. That life is sketch. Uh, dealing with any of this stuff is fucked up. Um, yeah. So she was into making money. She worked as a whore or as a sex worker, trying to pay for her drug-motivated existence by stealing shit from Walmart and returning it, turning tricks and selling ketamine powder. My kind of people. Degenerates. <laughs> you know? So the penalties for smuggling drugs and people on the border, which was honestly the first thing I was uh, interested in. I was like, right away I asked, uh, <clears throat> how much time am I gonna get? Cause I mean, I just, just thinking about it right away, I was like, oh, this is Russian roulette. Um, and that was promising to the Mexican uh, cartel guy. And there was associated with Sinaloa. And everybody on that line, if you're moving stuff on that line and you're not paying homage up to the people, um, and you get caught, it's your ass. So, um, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, but, yeah, there are people, all kinds of, like, subcontractors who basically just move people, you know? Um, and, but they have to kick back something. So, anyway, I remember uh, meeting this pale uh, Korean kid who had been convinced to drive a car back from Sonora with a car loaded with fentanyl and heroin. And this is a true story. Uh, we were sitting there, uh, I met him at the medical and then also at the lawyer. Um, but this guy looked like, uh, oh my God, he had this like spooked, like bewildered look to him. It was a bit, like painful to see him walking around because he'd be bumping into people and shit and just looked like, um, just at his wit's end. And I'm, I hope he's all right wherever he is. And I'll be telling him, buddy, and fuck himself up even farther. Um, but originally he thought it'd be fake rocks and codone tap. Then this kid's story is fucked up. Um, therefore, difficult for the dogs to smell. He's like, get some of these pills. And that's what he was going down there to get. Um, but when he went to, uh, uh, to pick up the car, uh, surveyed the deal and get headed up north, immediately he found these cartel dudes were not too thrilled about opening up the cavities in the car or even bothering to tell them what was being tasked with smuggling. I mean, they, you know, it's, they, he starts to like open it. He's like, what, what's in here? And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm fucking like up a gun on him. He's like, oh, huh? guys, <laughs> they're, they're like, you say you do this, you don't do this. And like, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. There's no fucking turning back at a certain point. Um, be damned whatever happens I actually thought about just stealing these guys truck and run away um and just just go this is a shitty old work truck and uh like report it stolen what, uh, you know this is fucking to somebody who doesn't need, I mean really exist um they put it pull shit out in people's names that they're like locked up forever so um but this uh poor Korean kid I imagine he's Korean he looked uh, he could have been maybe um, Han Chinese or whatever, but but when he, uh, uh, yeah, they freaked out on the, the cartel people freaked out. And when he pulled the secondary, they found some like 25 kilos of like the, <coughs> the pure gunpowder heroin. There's like, it's powder heroin that like oxidizes you, like breathe on it. 
turns into fucking um, black tar, but it was that shit. It was pure black tar helmet. Um, so the powder that oxidizes into black tar. If you're old junkie like me, uh, and a 10 kilo stash of fentanyl backed all un underneath the, or packed underneath the, uh, the vehicle, like along the chassis. Um, and if you look at the sentencing guidelines, like he's maxed. Like it doesn't get any worse. Uh, the judge could give him a minimum of 10 years and a maximum of life. And this guy had never been to fucking jail in his life. Um, can you imagine? Uh, he went and saw his lawyer when I met him and he literally had patches of hair falling out. Uh, what was left was completely blanched. His hair was turning white before your fucking eyes. Uh, he had this thousand yard stare about him where his eyes were as wide as he could, uh, he could open them. Catatonically staring off into space, he just had this. And the kid had no record at all. And here, here he is, uh, on his first smuggling trip. Uh, you're you're at a ten year min mandatory minimum, and the judge hates fentanyl. His attorney whispered, while I ear hustled from uh, these seats where we wait for your lawyer to arrive. He had the same public defender that I did. His parents were trying to get a lawyer for him. Um, but I could kind of hear what his public defense defender was saying, and uh, it wasn't good. He's like, yeah, 10 years? Oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The other guys in there were ice detainees and green and beige, and you like sit off in a little chair, like little islands, little archipelago, uh, when you're sitting there waiting to see your lawyer, but uh, US Marshals were orange. So, uh, the, kid, the kid just kept repeating everything the lawyer said in this lost, confused tone. tone. It's fentanyl? Or mandatory minimum? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, the line is like the high stakes poker you ever play in your life. I thought it was exhilarating, personally. But then, then again, I was shooting methamphetamine and heroin constantly when this opportunity was offered. Um, so, yeah, my judgment of things are completely skewed. But um, just let it be known that that is what is happening with people's like like there's so much time being given out on the border and if you get caught with one of these big drug loads that's why it goes to it honestly um that if you get caught and you're running that much drugs you either fucked it up or you're a patsy for a month bigger load um so uh yeah and you fucked that up I mean, then you're doing that time and you lost like fucking $500,000 worth of fucking drugs. Whole time you're looking behind your shot. I've thought about that. Like, dude, like, uh, they can hit you in a USP. It's easier to hit you in a prison than it is to hit you in the street. So. So the money changing hands with human trafficking. And this is the, perhaps the most promising part of this whole immigration process, the part that nobody talks about. Uh, but most of these men are being financed um, or at least had some sort of support in paying the cartels to get them across the line. Uh, four years ago, the cartels were charging 2,500 to three grand for one person across the border down by Laredo. Might be four grand. Um, that's the lower end of things in Laredo, Texas. Uh, this is in 2017. Um, through the wide open prairies on the north shore of the, the Rio Grande, 
but the farther they come across the border to the west, the more expensive their journey would be. It's, um, you know, everything gets taxed from Texas to California, but uh, yeah, it's by the time in Texas, it's the cheapest apparently to cross. And I was asking about this because it is interesting. In Arizona, it would cost a paisa, like probably about five, six grand at that time. And a Central American, like a chapin, which is what they call Central Americans, um, just like shorty. Um, these guys are like more indigenous stock. So they're like, you know, five foot two, um, more like uh, swarthy complexion, um, but they call them chapins. Um, and they look down on them, honestly. It, that, that was the kind of the, you know, um, the, I talk about that because like the Mexicans like dislike the Central Amer Central Americans just because they don't, they, there's finite resources and these people are coming through and um, they're not accounted for. It's just the same exact thing in America and people demonize people for not wanting these people in, in our country. And if there was a point, I would have agreed with that too until I went and saw it. You know, that's one of these things. Like, um, if you don't understand what this looks like, what it smells like, what it fucking sounds like, what this border is about, um, you, you're not really qualified to talk about this, you know? Because uh, it is fucked up. It is a, um, it is a, an enabled, because it's being enabled now. People are feeding this beast, and um, it is a meat market. It's just bodies and drugs and horrific amounts of time and ish, death um yeah so in the sonoran desert the same mexican uh would need to pay between four and six grand from what i understand california's border is on par with the sinaloa cartel running drugs through or under the arizona desert i remember asking if people ever came through the tunnels in the united states and evidently it's not only an option for people uh of means who can pay 50 or 60 grand for the pleasure of traversing our border through a professionally engineered tunnel underneath Douglas or uh, Nogales, there's a lot of these towns along the border, and that's where these um, tunnels are. Um, 50 grand, I was blown away, but it made no sense or made sense to me uh, the more I thought about it. And while many of our own citizens resent their position in this country, the financial gains we all stand to make in the U.S. as opposed to Mexico make it worthwhile to come here and drudge. Um, but from what I understand, only the most connected people, actual cartel members, like Chinese immigrants or like uh, on, on the terror, like people on the terror list, <laughs> they'd probably take the tunnel. Um, although it could be dangerous trying to solicit this route as an outsider. The Sinaloa cartel is constructed much the same as our own mafioso, and each one of these tunnels could probably generate more than $1 billion over its six-month, two-year service for one little faction of the cartel. Um, because that's what the, they're all like, uh, you know, independent crews that are, and sometimes like their own little organization. A cartel is just uh, a group of little gangs under the same you know, uh, flight, or <laughs> same flight, same like, um, you know, symbol or whatever. Uh, so there could be little factions or whatever, but typically that's like, like imagine the movie Goodfellas. Like you and your Paisa buddies uh, down living on the border, uh, you know, build a tunnel and start running drugs. Um, you 
pay, pay part of it to the cartel. Um, but it's not like, what I'm trying to say is they're not like, um, like an organized, like W2 <laughs> claiming organization that's like, you know, keeping these big roles and everything. It's kind of like, it's loose, decentralized, amorphous um, organization. It's just a bunch of pods that are decentralized. trip I took to Nogales. And the first four trips I did, ran like clockwork. Really did. <clears throat> they asked, um, they're supposed to ask, you know, are you a United States citizen? And you say, yeah. Uh, they let you go. Um, a USC is what it's called. And, uh, um, yeah, the, what the border patrol, or what the smuggler told me was do not do it late under, after darkness. Um, because they have thermal, and it, and it was tried hard to try to like get this from him because he's speaking in Spanish, and I speak better German than I do Spanish. But uh, you know, he was telling me and I didn't speak German at that point but, um, that that they can see the heat signature uh, of the person underneath your seat um, in the. But so you go when it's hot in the desert. Um, and you can't see shit. It just looks like heat on the side of the fucking vehicle. Um, and then the other thing uh, was, if they pull you over at ask, you're supposed to say that this guy wasn't paying you, and then you just saw him on the side of the road. And I was like, how the fuck is that supposed to work? He's underneath the seat. And he's like, you'll be fine. He's like, I don't fucking feel fine. <laughs> like, what are you... Like, this was your fucking explanation to me? Fucking, um... If they ask, say he's a hitchhiker, like, he's hiding underneath my seat, dog. I don't think... Let's just spend disbelief for a minute here and just fucking... Just put that thought to the side and just imagine what it looks like if you're a fucking border patrol and I have a fucking uh, Guatemalan underneath my seat. I don't represent Guatemalan right there. Um... Anyway, so, well, maybe not clockwork, because that afternoon on the first run was perhaps one of the most chaotic ex experiences I've ever uh, experienced. <laughs> uh, this, uh, the smuggler came over on a motorbike, and that's what he s said he uses to lose a tail. Lose a tail, I, th I thought. Oh, shit, this could get a little crazy. Uh, and as it turned out, whenever you're dealing with these Mexican drug and people running organizations, they're well-run, comprehensively staffed, and financial uh, financed operations. When Mono, which was his name, is we went by, uh, you'll have like 80 pager guys who sell fucking heroin by the name of Carlos. They just pick these ubiquitous, um, laconic names, you know. Um, he said, uh, er, when Mono said he'd lose his tails, he wasn't kidding about that at all. He was being followed by this entourage of white Dodge sedans in all over the city of Tucson. And whenever I met up with him, he'd have me stop at a McDonald's and a tire shop and spin off in a residential area uh, where we meet up. And I also bought some drugs from him a couple of times um, because I met him before we actually did this a couple of times, um, buying uh, 
like an ounce of speed. Um, and he had shitloads of really good drugs right off the block. Um, and the prices are just ridiculous because there's so much of it. Um, and it was, but it was all cloak and dagger, but these people were not the joking type. Uh, they were watching from the shadows all along the route. Like they'd tell you, hey, go to this McDonald's and you get there and they'd wait to see if you're clean without a tail and they'd say, okay, now go to this tire shop, for example. And you go there and then, okay, he's done have a tail. And send you where wherever Mono was waiting. And there were these white sedans that were constantly falling. Like I saw them one time that I was in the car but they're narcotics office, officers. That was what they actually were. Um, they're Metropolitan Narcotics Unit. And um, yeah, so they're following them around all the, all the time and surveilling him for a federal drug bust. And at, it was crazy, the first time he went, he actually got picked up by Border Patrol on his way back because he was just shadowing me. He was gonna follow me and watch me as I went. He actually went down to Nogales, Arizona and got picked up on the way back. But he was able to show the um, cops a like, utility bill at a place in Tucson, and they gave him a um, date to appear. And, um, and that's what I would tell people, is that while uh, Mexicans aren't, um, uh, like I said, you can't assume criminality or anything by these people, these hardworking people, fucking, great salt of the earth people but they have to pass through a criminal organization no matter what to get to this country that is step one that is their immigration office whereas we could be that immigration office but we tell them to go to the mexican cartels and pay their money instead of to the federal government to pay us and say okay now here's your and then we could actually document these people coming through here's your work visa you gotta pay this much taxes and everything show up to this date uh and to renew your green card and if you don't we're gonna throw your ass out of the country and if you don't pay the fucking fine and taxes and all that we're gonna throw your ass out of the country but to have a defined system from you know soup to nuts as you know how these people uh are deal deal with or dealt with um as they move, move through these situations because right now it's like a I don't want to get into that, I guess at some point on my other channel, Big Brother Holding Company, but it's like a, um, a bug in a software program. Like, the, if, you know, the illegal immigrant, if, like, you know, that's what they're called, uh, is bouncing around in this system and they hit a snag because they don't have a social security number. They don't have, you know, like, they don't have certain parts of this little work package to move through the software program. Right, if that's my little analogy. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, but we'll talk about that. <clears throat> yeah, people are talking about death and um, overdoses and just the amount of crime in these border communities. Right? but um yeah it is real in the field so ghost of tom joe 
at the beginning of October. Just quit my job at a drywall company back in 2017. And was getting ready to ride a Greyhound bus up to Denver to get well for my drug addiction. I was completely fucked up. And I lost my vehicle. And I was walking back and forth to work. I lived on the south side of Tucson. And I worked on the north side of Tucson. I walked every day um, with hardly anything to eat. Uh, living in a fucking extended stay. Um, my family had helped me out a little bit, but I was fucked up. Something decent. It was bad. Um, so all these border towns, the frontier along the southern border, is critically infected with heavy-duty narcotics and methamphetamine in such prolific supplies that the prices have gone down to 200 to $400 an ounce for meth. I don't, I don't know if that's just a 200 or $400, um, but 200 if you're actually like a local connected. But I just know that you know, you, not everyone has the same connection or whatever. Because when I first got there, I was getting the out-of-town contacts. And then by, that, by the end of it, I got the local deal or whatever, you know. Um, but like $200 an ounce from that and $25 a gram of heroin. $40 um, would get you going every day. But there are people selling $25 grams in Tucson itself. Um, it's about twice the twice that price in Denver. And Denver is only one step up the chain to wherever it's going. Um, so yeah, uh, the only thing expensive right now is cocaine because the Mexican cartels don't produce that themselves. If they did, they would. If they could, they would. Everything else, it's flood the zone through this labyrinth of tunnels being bored out in the craggy earth of the Sonoran Desert. There are trailers in the hood in Tucson that no one will go near. Everyone knows who owns the trailer. There are bricks and bricks and bricks, kind of like the ships off the coast of our own country. So much drugs coming through that they could kill every man, woman, and child in the continental United States. All of them waiting to come up through people like me. I.e. the movie, like I was saying, The Mule, like Clint Eastwood uh, in the Hollywood, but without Clint Eastwood, um, in the Hollywood setup. And I haven't seen that movie, but there's probably some theatrical stuff in there. Um, but uh, that was the job I wanted. I wanted to smuggle drugs. Um, not like I mentioned that before, but... Uh, and, I, and that was the job I was offered, but I had to smuggle some people. Uh, so they trust me with some bricks, bringing up to Denver, Kansas City, Chicago. From, uh, from, and from there, it gets broken down and distributed the more rural small town areas for increasingly more and more money down the line um and a ball meth goes to south dakota through denver the golf cartel and the sinaloa cartel both send drugs here from different directions then biker gangs and enterprising people either make the trip to lincoln and omaha um you know guys from chicago some of them gang members move dope from chicago to milwaukee and wisconsin uh criminals show initiative and show up farther down the line uh, to or to in the drug supply chain. Um, yeah, so it's and uh, and that's how it basically works. It's just like this loosely connected chain that's passing up drugs for basically doubling up the pro the price, or um, that's basically what's being achieved at every step along the way. It's just how that's being achieved because they either cut it or they just sell it for twice as much. Um, or both.
this is the Hondo story. And uh, this is an oft hidden aspect of, to the border crisis because it's essentially the most dangerous and disgusting part of all this human trafficking. But the people running migrants across the line are all paying homage or working directly for the cartel. People can smuggle as independent contractors, but they're paying up to the cartel and or using their logistical network to pass things through the line. They want to extract as much money as possible. And all these people, like I said, the Pices, the housekeepers, the people who cook your fast food, they're being um, extorted to hell by the drug cartels. I had no idea how bad it was until I was reading an article in Nat National Geographic while I was in prison. Um, and one of the Pices, P-Dogs is one of their nicknames, um, like white guys or black guys like when we're talking about the Pices. So oh yeah, the P-Dogs. Um, just a goofy term, but um, I gotten this sent in to CCA. It was like a, really a Nat Geo, because um, his family is actually like out in Gilbert or something in Arizona. Um, uh, is that's a lot of these guys have family and they just they do have fucked up childhoods where they do something stupid and then they have a felony and they can't ever get back to the United States. Um, pretty, I, I wish we could do case by case on some of these people because they're like Americans and they love fucking America, but they can't get here. But it's just, how do you look into this person's character? Because I met, I, I saw these people, you know, for maybe a month or two, you know, like in the same unit, um, getting to know them. And, uh, but you're not gonna get that if you, you know, if you're just a federal judge being asked, hey, this guy, can't get back to his family. Um, you have no context. But um, anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you got in this magazine sent in and uh, when I, I went in the cell for the count, my Hondo Sally, and if you don't know what I'm saying with Hondo, it's Honduran, but Hondo is what, you know, one of the uh, nicknames for him. So if you're buying heroin uh, in some of the Western cities here um but he had uh, yeah he broke it all down for me uh he had left his house in honduras because his father um or because his brother made it up to lincoln nebraska and as they planned the brother would send back 500 dollars for his sibling to travel up from the line and that was what it was going to cost him to get smuggled to the border 500 american and it was through a guy named jaguar jaguar um, and it's literally in my paperwork too, because we had, that was funny. We, we had the same, the people who I got caught smuggling were coming up through Central America. There's like literally one, one or two guys who were, you know, running the show. And, um, I mean, I don't know, it could be a handful, but it's not a big population. There are a few people who are, are smuggling people through the jungles and the uh, and <clears throat> these traffickers are devious people, the ones who extort and collect from the immigrants in the community on either side of the line. Uh, but they would run the two brothers' credit for the journey up ahead. Uh, he made his way through towns where people would stand out in the middle of the street, basically telling the horde, pa uh, the horde passing through that you're not welcome, do not come here. They, they literally would say, like, no, no, and they'd just hold their hands. Like, the whole town would come out and say, no, do not come here. Um, yeah, but there are these people who showed up along with Catholic charities, um, white, like European Americans were the ones who were showing up uh, to like, they are expats down there and they just feed these people along the way. And 
it pisses off the Mexicans even more because they're like, what the fuck? It's like feeding a stray cat. Um, and this is what the Mexicans all told me. This is all like, um, and I, you know, I, anyway, uh, literally that was the smuggler's name, that was Pantura. And um, so when they get uh, to the line, or when when they get to the line on that side, they have multiple masses of people who are going to move up simultaneously after a distraction is triggered somewhere on the fence. So you have a guy um, who's like the patsy or whatever, he's gonna try to create a diversion, and then just like all in concert, like these people just move up and try to move up, and literally that's it, it's like a turkey shoot. Um, that's the whole fucking uh, method to the madness because everything they're doing at night is being watched and they can see these droves as they're sitting there in the night vision they can see him coming up like getting up to the line and they know exactly okay, that guy's crossing right now they can see it from the sky it's just um getting personnel to round these people up they can see everybody crossing that fucking border is illuminated with our technology and there's only so many places you can actually cross. There's a lot of places, but there's not a lot of places. It might not make sense because that meant to, but um, yeah, there's like, like try climbing up a fucking mountain, like getting the other side of a mountain. Well, I'm gonna go around this side or I'm gonna go around this side or you can climb all the way up top. Like, you know, so anyway. Um, yeah, the C that's all the CB has left to do because they don't have the manpower to grab everybody. And it's like a playground game. Uh, like I said, turkey shoot, or um, what is it, this side over that side, where a crowd of people go barreling against another crowd in the field. That's always the CB CBP's problem. They can see everything from up above, but they don't have the manpower or the jail cells to hold everybody. They don't have the jail cells. There's only about, like, I would say maybe 15,000 immigration jail cells um, total in the country. Maybe 11,000. Um, but uh, on the border, like there's probably eight or 9,000 that are within uh, even driving distance in a day. Um, they're not meant to, they're meant, but they're meant to like disperse these people in the system. Uh, and they, they can, and they do, and they will, because it's a federal crime. So if you, um, they could s sit you down in the county jail up in Washington State if they wanted to. Um, and they might have to do that uh, eventually to remove everybody uh, who's coming over now. Um, because when we do that, it should be uh, last hired first fire. Like the people coming over now, basically I get the fuck out before somebody who has been here for 10 years.